Hey, uh, my name is John Crawford. I am a part of our staff here at the table as well as a member of our preaching team. I get the uh, joy to share good news with you this morning. So the Lord be with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, uh, maybe some of you experienced the reading of those passages like I did earlier this week. So we're going to start with this loving mother clothing her son for the work of God that is given and all of this being redeemed in love and rewarded. The psalm who says, the mother of all is gracious and full of mother love. Paul, who in my controversial view is a canonized blowhard, even speaks, (laughs) even he speaks of caring for a church through the giving of himself and the attributes of attending to children like a nurse. Then... Peter asked Jesus, how much should I forgive? He responds, 77 or 70 times 7, meaning ceaselessly. All of this love and grace and care and forgiveness over and over and over. Unless, then you go after someone who owes you money since you were, as you were once forgiven. And then as our gospel passage seems to give us, you get tortured. (laughs) That's what you get. So, it feels hard, right, because we, uh, how we understand mercy and what is happening in mercy and these things, and then justice can often feel opposed to us. They feel so conflicted, incongruous, and sometimes we try to make it better by saying it's two sides of the same coin. It's the same thing, but depends on how you look at it. It's that. Friends, I have good news for us this morning. It's not two sides of the same coin. It is all one together in Christ. Our loving mother does not hold justice and mercy as two opposing forces, but is present in reality with a whole love, a whole love that has no imagination for their being separated. Today, you are invited to step into the reality of that which needs forgiveness and find the love that is mercy and justice all at once. Now, a first note, forgiveness is really hard to speak about to a room full of people in all of different places, right? When we talk about forgiveness today, forgiveness as moving towards one another whom we have wronged or are, who we have wronged or have wronged us. We could be talking about anything from, sorry that I haven't been mowed you from Upland last week, sorry Spencer, to, hey, you made a joke the other day that hurt me. Or, as some will go in this room, you remember abuses and traumas and things that you have experienced. It's hard to speak to that range of things, right? So know that today we're going to stay away from shoulds and we're going to talk about how when in reality we find the motherly love of God that contains justice and mercy together, today's invitation is just towards being willing to step into that reality that we might begin to begin, like begin to begin, there it is, begin to discern what forgiveness might look like for us. That first step to meet Jesus in reality for that. When we do this, we can then begin to discern together what that forgiveness might look like. But those are longer conversations for likely after today. With that said, let's jump into this wild gospel passage. Just before the parable that we have, Jesus gives a clear map for how a conflict is to be handled within people of God or if someone who has sinned is to be approached. Some of you might be familiar with this formula, right? First you go to the person and then if they can't, like they don't want to own it, they can't uh, don't, like, don't agree, then you bring a few more. And then, as we will to say today, if they continue to find themselves unable to be in reality, the reality of what actually happened, 
Ultimately, then, they are, in this passage, excommunicated or treated as those who also live outside of the reality that we choose to live in as the people of God. This is what happens. This is the clear formula given. Hauros pointed to this, pointed to this way of being together, saying that the people of God are a people that ultimately live in reconciled truth. They deal with reality together, that which is true, that which is actually happening. For the person who sinned to not own it, or for the person who sees it to not own it with them, both then choose to live in a false reality, right? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? So this is the setup. And then Jesus makes even a further point to name the idea of binding and loosing. That within this body of people, as they begin to work this out, as they begin to practice this reality of naming together, part of what they are doing is they are binding and loosing that which becomes true about the kingdom of God. Binding and loosing is to say like, hey, as you have these conversations, as you practice this way of being that is so different from the world, you set up this reality. You set up and bring a kingdom with you to bring the goodness of the fullness of this all together. Now, we have all that set up. Here we are. Peter sees where this is going. And he sees that there needs to be some clarification. It's like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. But Jesus, like, how many times should I do this, right? Seven? Is that good? Is that enough? It seems like a lot, right? And then Jesus responds with some version of 70 times seven, as to mean always, that the need to forgive will never not be there. You're welcome, grammar nerds, for the double negative. It will always be there. If you want to take 70 times seven, literally, my need to be forgiven for my anger and choice of words with my kids would run out in just a few weeks, right? It doesn't mean just this literal amount of times keeping a tally. It means this is a way in which we exist as the people of God together. And this is true among us as well, right? Even in the best of times, there's often hurt that happens as we try to figure out what it means to be the people of God together, even in this room. Then you have those things. And then even outside of that, we get larger. The ways that over years, we find ourselves deeply grieved by the actions of a friend, or as the one who deeply grieves in ways we never imagined we would hurt those that we love. It is constant, and it needs to constantly be coming in. These are the realities of life, and Jesus invites us into a world where time and time again, we can step into the reality of those situations. Because our loving mother does not hold justice and mercy as two opposing forces, but is present in reality with a whole love. A whole love that has no imag imagination for their being separated. Today, you are invited to step into the reality of that which needs forgiveness and find the love that is mercy and justice all at once. So, this setup, Jesus says this constant need for forgiveness. We're going to get a parable that's going to seem to continue that idea, right? You guys got the punchline already. So we see a king or lord who is owed 10,000 talents, which is a hyperbolic, crazy, insurmountable amount of money. Just a silly, silly, silly amount of money. Who then shows compassion. This Greek word for compassion is only used of Christ in the New Testament. To forgive them. Now, if we stop here, where I find myself more comfortable, where I want to stop we still then inevitably pit mercy and justice against one another, right? 
Mercy is deeply understood. That's what we want. Any form of justice is maybe written away. Mercy wins. That is why then, when the servant is forgiven and then goes to literally chokehold someone who owes them money, throws them in jail, we're shocked. What? Like, can't, hold on a second. Like a few months wages to like more than Rome's GDP at the time. <laughs> You're chokeholding dude for this. What's going on here? And then we're shocked again when this compassionate ruler seemingly doubles back on the forgiveness that was forgiven, right? To have them tortured for their debts. What is happening here? What is going on? In too few notes, here are some ways that we're going to approach this. The first, this is a parable about reality, forgiveness, and what it creates. It is not intended to be a fully point-by-point -point theological treatise that you get in theology 101 in school, right? It is a story to a specific space in a specific time. It is not intended to be an exact one-to-one -one representation of about sin or about Christ. So while we do see clear places of Christ, the word of compassion, it's the final verse, and so it will be with you, it is not intended to be an accurate diagram to follow step-by-step step of what sin means in an eschatological sense. Second, while confusing, this passage does not contradict itself. It feels terribly inconsistent to say 70 times 7, unless in this one situation you choke someone for some silver, then you get tortured for the rest of your life. That feels inconsistent, right? So there has to be more here. In Christ, we are given the example of how to live, and Christ would not invite us into something other than what Christ would live as well. So when he invites us into 70 times 7, it's all being lived out. Yet, and ultimately then, this parable does finish to say and intend to say that sin and not dealing in reality has dire consequences. Just as in the pattern of conflict from before this parable, there are consequences for everyone involved if we cannot live in reality together or if we cannot live within reality within ourselves. It is not just endless forgiveness that forgets, but one that deals with that which is true. It owns all of it, right? This is part of what's being said here at the end. So this servant, invited into a reality where mercy and justice were held together in the love of God, chose instead to keep living in another way. The consequences of these choices was to be left to the type of the world that chooses one way or another, that chooses mercy or justice, and in this case, justice in how they perceived it. He chose the type of world that chooses only to chain up those who owe, ultimately also leaving them to those same consequences and that same reality. Offered, as before, to bind and loose a more whole living in the way of reality together, they chose something else and only experienced the cost of that way of living at the end of our story. For those that may have gone through DNA here, you're hearing maybe some of this uh, mercy and justice language and you're like, grace and truth? It's grace and truth, right? It's the invitation that we are invited into the reality of God who is grace and truth, mercy and justice. It is a way that does not forgive and forget as nothing is lost here. All of it is wrapped up. There is justice and there is mercy. All of it together is reconciled. And that was the invitation of this parable. Friends, our loving mother does not hold justice and mercy as two opposing forces, 
but is present in reality with a whole love, a whole love that has no imagination for their being separated. Today, you are invited to step into the reality of that which needs forgiveness and find the love that is mercy and justice all at once. Now, again, today is not intended to talk about forgiveness specifically in a way, but to talk about that step before it that keeps us from stepping into reality, the places where we are like the first servant who are invited into a newer reality, but we find ourselves unable to step into it for loads of reasons. All sorts of things can hold us back from stepping into the reality when it comes to the things that we may need to forgive or be forgiven for. One is the question of enough, anywhere from scarcity mindset to like the reality of like, is there enough here? And scarcity, like the first servant, right? Just because your debt's forgiven, I don't know if you guys have know this, but like a lot of times, if you have a lot of debt and you get your debt forgiven, you still don't have any money. <laughs> like there's no money there, right? So I can imagine a world for him that's like, okay, great. Like I'm glad that loads off my shoulder. It doesn't mean I have anything now. Scarcity mindset steps in. And the only way that he knew how to get past that was to go and again, chokehold somebody. Highly not recommended, you guys. But it's a scarcity mindset. Or on the scale of reality, I have uh, recently started a new form of therapy, like this week, and it rocked my world. And part of it has been, I've actually put it off because I was in a season where I can't dig into these things right now. There's too much going on. I have too much. Like, I, I won't have enough if I do this now. And I'm still afraid of it. And especially after this first week, I'm afraid there's not enough. And there's a reality of that, right? I have kids in school and work and all sorts of things to maintain at the same time and then also dig into all these things from my past. There's a reality to that, right? But we're not left alone in those things. We're not. Or maybe as you think about forgiveness, you think about heading towards forgiveness of somebody and that step into being into that reality, maybe you fear a lack of justice. Will there actually be justice for this situation or will it get swept up into, like I've said, this forgive and forget mentality? Will I step in and it just be like, you know what, it's not a big deal. So there's a fear there. Or what if the other person can't reckon with reality that has been forced upon me that I'm very aware of? Can I ever be truly at peace without them owning it? If they won't or it won't, I can't do it for myself. These are all things that keep us from taking that first step into reality so that we can discern what forgiveness looks like. Friends, these are the places where our good news seeks to speak directly to today. The good news that reality is precisely where we experience the fullness of mother love, where justice and mercy are wholly held together. It is in reality, in the wading in with ourselves into the love, in with the spirit, that we find that which is true that our loving mother does not hold justice and mercy as two opposing forces, but is present in reality with a whole love, a whole love that has no imagination for their being separated. Today, you are invited to step into that reality which needs forgiveness and find the love that is mercy and justice all at once. A few ways for us to respond to this today. It might, 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 everybody hear the might? Might, it might be good to have that conversation today. Whether during the peace or a text message for coffee, stepping into the reality with your brother and sister, 
to meet together with the mother of all who is gracious and full of mother love. It might be a good idea to do that today. As stated, though, the mites, all the caveats. Have I given enough caveats? There are caveats here. It may, some things may be too big for that right now. Passing of the peace is really not that long, right? That bell's gonna come, not that long. So if something's there today, maybe some first steps in our worship today together can be and first in the prayer of confession here in just a few moments. In the same posture as both servants in our gospel passage, we can be on our knees and with almost the same words pray, have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins. It is our first steps into living in the reality that God invites us into, to dare to believe it is true that we could receive grace ourselves. Lastly, you could light a candle whether it's because your anger burns so hot and you just need a candle to burn like it, or you want to know that your prayers are becoming lifted up in an utterance that only smoke and flame can express for now. It is a way to embody and participate in your prayer. In prayer, we can step into the reality to meet the God who is love. Friends, may you receive the reality of motherly love that meets us in a way that is mercy and justice all at once today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.